Welcome back to Dumbest in the Room. Today is a very, very special episode. Not only am I joined by my puppy Daisy here, but I've also got my fiance. She's kind of here against her will. She said she's not nervous. She's hungry. Um, today is a hundred <laughs> days. Today is a hundred days until our wedding. So we are joined by Kate Freeman with Emily Weddings, a wedding planner. Kate, thank you so much for being here. Yes, my pleasure. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for having me. So first and foremost, I mean, how did you get into this wedding planning business? So interestingly, this whole thing really fell into my lap and was a case of truly being in the right place at the right time. I moved to Hampton Roads back in 2012. I had, my husband is in the military, which is the story I think for a lot of people who move here. Um, I had a four week old and a four year old. And I just remember thinking, you know, I was just feeling so overwhelmed in my house. And we lived over um, in the Lynn Haven area of the city and London Bridge Baptist Preschool had this big banner outside saying that they were enrolling for preschool and um, pre-K. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, that would be so wonderful for my preschooler. So to make a very long story short, I enrolled her there wound up running into um, Brittany Danis, who the two of you know pretty well. Um, she's a member of our team, our Emily Weddings team. Um, and she mentioned that she was a wedding planner. And I thought to myself, my goodness, that's like a dream job. Um, I have a, a background in, you know, I have a couple degrees in interior architecture. And I had done a little bit of photography. And, and at the time that I had delivered my my second daughter. I was doing makeup for a living. Um, and so I had all of these sort of experiences um, that, that kind of have to do with wedding planning. And I was like, gosh, I had never considered that really everything I'm interested in has to do with wedding planning. That would be amazing for me. And she said, well, you know, let me, let me talk to our owner and see if maybe she'd be interested in taking on an intern. And what's interesting is that the very same day that I received an offer for essentially a promotion with the, the cosmetic company that I was working for, I also received an offer for an unpaid internship with Emily Weddings. And I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And, and bless my husband. He said, you know, you, you have to do you have to do what your heart tells you to do. And, and if it's making money or if it's not making money, you just have to go with your gut. And so I took on this unpaid internship with Emily Weddings and Events. And here I am almost 10 years later. And to this day, it's one of the best decisions I ever made. And, and so I said that I would make, make that story short. Uh, oh, no, <laughs> and awesome surely that awesome. is the shortened version, if you can imagine. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's how I, I sort of came into this. That's awesome. And for those who don't know, um, my cousin, Brittany Danis is who she mentioned. So Brittany, if you're listening and we know that you are shout out. Um, so, all right. So talk to me about like your first wedding. I mean, when you're, you're planning it, what kind of goes into planning a wedding? Because we are kind of freestyling, as we mentioned, we didn't really have talking points for this. And that's kind of how we're, we're doing our wedding. We're kind of freestyling it with Brittany has been there to help when we've needed her, but you know, what do people need to know when they're planning a wedding? Sure. So first and foremost, let me start off by saying that I did not jump into this company or this industry head on by, by leading events or by taking on clients on my own. But I've been a lead wedding planner, I think, for about eight years now. Um, so really, the, the number one thing that your planner is going to start off by doing is assisting you in selecting a date a venue or both um, and a budget really. I think those three things go kind of hand in hand. Like you obviously um, you don't want to book a venue that has a $35,000 food and beverage minimum. If you have an all in budget of $20,000 and you don't want to select a venue that only has availability in November, if you want a spring wedding. Um, and so that's really kind of the, the place that you want to start off. Um, and then from there, once you have a date um, and a budget, I think those are really the two most important things. And it's sort of a balance between what's the most important thing to you. Is it more important to you to have this specific date or have your wedding during this specific time of year? Or is it more important that like, I have to have my wedding at this specific venue since I was a little girl or since I was a young guy, like, 
I've had to have my wedding here. I think that, you know, especially um, our company is based out of Virginia Beach. We have some pretty iconic venues in this area that a lot of people say, gosh, since I was young, like I've known that I had to have my wedding here. Well, that's fine. Then that's great. Let's be flexible with our date because certain venues, I mean, they book up so quickly and maybe we'll have to have a longer engagement than we had initially planned for because all of their dates are booked up, you know, into the middle of 2023. And so that's really where we're going to start from there um, vendor selections. And I think that, um, that as wedding planners, as professionals, we are pretty good at determining a client's style, their personality, obviously their budget, and being able to say, you know, this would be a really good florist for you. And maybe this hair and makeup team would be really great based on your style, based on your personality. Um, Maybe the bride has a lot more of a natural look. And so this makeup artist might be a little better than that one, or they have a really edgy vibe. So definitely let's send her to this person. Um, And so that's really the next step and then of course towards the end of it it's really tying up all of those loose ends making sure that none of those details are overlooked and I think that that's something that that as um as a couple as people who are getting married as even um even your moms and dads have been married before there's so many questions that um unless you have somebody who has industry experience you're not even thinking to ask those questions like, are you saving the top tier of your cake? Have you thought to order a toss bouquet? Um, Do you have your own cake cutting set? No, well then how are you gonna cut your cake? So things like that, that that most people wouldn't think to think of (laughs) unless you have experience in this industry or unless, you know, some people have older siblings who have recently been married, then of course you have a leg up um, on most people. But then I think the most important thing truly the most important reason to have a wedding planner is that day of even if you have just solely a day of wedding planner wedding coordinator to be able to take all of that work all of those details all of that planning and pass it over on that wedding day and just say now this is in your hands you are the person to orchestrate all of this to coordinate all of this to make sure that the cake is there by the time the florist leaves because the florist is supposed to put flowers on the wedding cake, but they need to leave at a certain time and the cake's not there yet. How is that going to work? Um, You know, things like that, that that you shouldn't have to worry about. Um, Number one, most important reason. And then also breaking down at the end of the night, you shouldn't have to worry about, you know, I wanted to save the top tier of my cake, but it needs to be refrigerated. You shouldn't have to be worrying about that or fielding it at the end of the evening. So um, I would say above all else, you know, everything else that I've said all boils down to you don't want to have to worry about those things, those details, and God forbid, those issues, those, um, we call them fires mm-hmm. <laughs> on the day of the wedding, because they always come up. And if you have a planner, if you have a coordinator, if you have a trained professional there, then nine times out of 10, those fires, they always come up, but nine times out of 10, you won't even ever find out about them because they're fixed. They're put mm-hmm. out before you ever even know about it. Yeah, that's great. Some of the things that kind of sit out is first of all, it sounds like you guys kind of relieve the stress of planning and uh, for us, for me, it's been, I've been in charge of the desserts, so mine was kind of... Oh, well, that is a very fun job. <laughs> well, that's actually our only fire that we've had so far. Um, but really? Meanwhile, Ashley's been uh, saying she's stressed, but everything that she's been doing has been going smoothly, so... That is not the way I would think this would have gone, interestingly. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah our, uh, our dessert vendor called the other day and said, we are rebranding and we're not doing weddings anymore starting this summer. So sorry about it. Oh, mm-hmm. hmm. that's not an experience that I've had thus far. So, <laughs> you know, you'll need to reach out to us and let us know how we can help with that. <laughs> so, so like talk about more about like what are like the kinds of fires that you're putting out uh along the planning stage and then like kind of after that we'll go into like day of stuff sure so 
Okay, well, planning stage. Okay, so these are two separate things. And actually, uh, I wouldn't have thought of that as two separate things, but you're right, they are. So um, similar to the situation that you're in, except somewhat dissimilar, um, we not only plan weddings locally, but we are also a destination planning business. And so we had a wedding that was out of state. It was up in New England, um, which is always a unique scenario because here, of course, we have our vendors, our venues that we work with all the time. They're tried, they're true. Um, we know them, we know them professionally, we know them personally, um, but when you're working out of your sort of comfort zone, you're just going based off of reviews off of um, what the venue is telling you, off of Instagram, off of what the knot is telling you. And so um, really you're just using a lot of your professional expertise, a lot of your gut, a lot of, um, it's a lot of research. It's a lot more back end. It's, uh, certainly it's a lot more work, um, but essentially we ran into an issue with um, a beauty provider who said, um, came up with actually a very long, elaborate story for why about a month and a half prior to an event, they could no longer provide services. And so, of course, a month and a half prior to an event during the very peak of spring wedding season was... Um, <laughs> was very it was challenging to find um another vendor but we wound up pulling a rabbit out of our hat and making it happen and everything worked out beautifully but even um you know sometimes there are um familial issues um all families not all families are sunshine and rainbows all the time so a lot of times we find ourselves having to field family issues and sometimes mom is you know, frustrated about one thing and dad is upset about another thing. And so a lot of times we find ourselves fielding those issues. And I think in those scenarios, those are some of the most rewarding to assist with really, because those are some of the issues that can be the most hurtful long-term. Mm -hmm. And so those are the things that we're like, tell us those things, please tell us those things and allow us to help you along the way, work those things out because we want to make sure that everybody feels included, that everybody's happy and that everything is completely copacetic on the wedding day. Um, I'm trying to think of other stuff leading up to the big day. I mean, certainly, um, things that happen closer to the wedding day are, you know, guests dropping out. Um, close to the wedding day, because typically your final guest count is due um, either to your your caterer or your venue, or sometimes your venue is also your caterer um, two to three weeks out. But more often than not, your um, we we typically recommend about four weeks out for your guests to RSVP so that you have kind of a little buffer there to reach out to anybody who maybe hasn't responded yet. But two weeks, especially in a post-COVID world, I mean, yeah. a lot can happen in two weeks. Um, and so, of course, now you are running into a scenario where you're paying for 150 guests, but only 130 guests are now showing up. And so also that's, you know, if you have, let's say, 10 guests per table, you also have two less tables at your reception. So really now there's a lot of replanning that goes into that. So certainly there's also that. And it's, you know, nobody drops out 20 at a time. It's, you know, two here, one there, three there. So it's, you yeah. know, sometimes three or four times a day we're getting updates. Um, and then weather, mother yeah. nature. We can control a lot of things, guys, but mother nature, she is always, <laughs> she yeah. is always unpredictable. And even when we think, that we know what's going to happen, what we know what mother nature is going to do. Sometimes we still just don't. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, leading up to the big day and even on the big day, even, I mean, sometimes we're literally watching the radar and it's showing yeah. nothing overhead and we're like, but it's still raining on us. Mm -hmm. um, so we think those are, those are the big ones. Yeah, for sure. Luckily, we're gonna have a few meteorologists at our wedding from uh, my previous job. But if there's severe <laughs> oh weather, gosh, they, cool. they won't be there. Um, <laughs> you mentioned like guests dropping out. I just sent out our our invites probably way too early. I think we're eighteen and a half weeks, and I think actually that is very very early. Yeah. But kudos <laughs> to you for being prepared. We've had them for like two months. I've just been sitting on them. 
Um, but when did we set our RSVP by date? You guys are a cleaner's dream, for the record. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was, like, tolling back between, like, August 1st or, like, mid-August just to give us a little bit extra time. But I know yeah. two guests probably forget or wait till the last minute. So there's a lot of, I'm sure we'll have people after August say, oh, wait, by the way, yeah, we do want to come. Or for sure. Whatever, yeah. So, I mean, how do we, I guess we just have to, I mean, should we be working on our seating chart as they come in? Should we wait till we have the final count? Like, Guys, your seating chart is going to be one of the most challenging parts of planning your wedding. <laughs> the best way, the best way to do this is to take, let me see if I can explain this without a visual representation. So if you take an index card, like if you are giving a presentation in front of your class in high school, an index card, it can be lined, it can be unlined, and then like a little post-it sticky note, the little mini ones. So you write each guest's name on a little tiny post-it note, and then each larger index card represents a table. You don't even have to write the table number on it because at first we maybe don't even know the physical location of this table. Mm -hmm. Is this table one? Is this table nine? Is this table six? We don't know that yet. We're just essentially grouping these people into like generic categories, right? So I'm putting Jane Doe and like, I don't know, Uncle Tom and Aunt Sue or whoever at all these different tables, but they're on post-it notes. Right. So if I know that I can only have 10 guests per table and now I have 12 here on this one index card, I can just pick up these two post-its and I can now put them over at this table and then I can pick up these and I can put it at this table. So don't ever don't even spreadsheet it until your post-its like until you have 10 guests or less or, you know, eight guests or less or however many guests that you know that you can fit at each table until you have that all settled then go ahead and put it in a spreadsheet because even having to move guests around on a spreadsheet, especially once you've like formulated it and some of the lines are like two point thickness and some <laughs> are like one point thickness. It's so time consuming and frustrating and maddening to have to redo that. So take an index card, put every guest name that you know is coming on a small little post-it and then start categorizing them that way. Also, I think it's helpful to, Consider location. So anybody who is um, who has mobility concerns, who maybe is in a wheelchair, um, we don't want them to be super far from the restroom. We don't want them to have to navigate through a bunch of tables who you know that maybe are close together. Um, anybody who maybe is older and does not love loud music maybe let's not put them right next to the band's speaker or the dj speaker or whatever it is that you have um so things like that just um being considerate about things like that and of course categorize people in in groups that make sense to you so maybe like your high school friends over here your college friends over here your aunts and uncles over here um and obviously just be considerate about people who maybe have histories that they, they wish they could forget. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so not putting uh, this person in close proximity with that person who potentially dislike each other. Um, you know, just using your best judgment in that regard. And again, that's also a great reason not to assign specific table numbers right off the bat. Um, because especially if maybe you think you're going to have 20 tables and then you don't have, you know, you don't end up having as many guests as you thought you were going to have. Now you only have 16 and maybe those tables become renumbered. So just wait until that's final to actually assign a specific table number and location. Gotcha. So like if we're, is it more typical to do like our parents together or like my parents and like, my dad's sisters and my mom's sisters and their significant others or like how the groupings, I, I guess, say I understand. Two things that depends a on the size of your families. Do you have huge, enormous families where like your parents are like, you know, my grandmother's family, there were 12 kids in their family. They're mm -hmm. not all going to fit at the same table anyway. So that probably doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. But also, um, 
how close are your families? <laughs> Do they super like each other or they, could they not care less? Because maybe then, and also, do your parents really love one another and want to get to know one another? Because that's really a great opportunity for them to get to do so. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Yeah. Um, all right. So we mentioned the timeline and I sent the invites out way early. What about like, um, I mean, what is the typical timeline of an engagement and, and planning? Because I know people who were engaged like New Year's and then got married uh, July 4th. And then like for us, we got engaged. Wow, that's quick. Good yeah. for them. <laughs> we got engaged, uh, May, 2021 and we're getting married September, 2022. So, I mean, what is the typical thing? How do you kind of adjust your priorities for couples when you're working with multiple couples who have different timelines? Yeah. So I would say that the typical engagement timeline is between a year and two years. That is what is most common. And And really, that's a matter of preference. I have heard some couples say, oh my gosh, two years, that is such a long engagement. I don't want to be engaged for two years. And to me, just personally, that doesn't sound like a long time. Um, Some people, six months is, is more than enough time. But I would say between a year and two years is what's most common. Um, and if we're whittling that down, I would say about a year or a year and a half is what is even more common. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I think, um, again, booking those vendors because I, we always want our couples to have the first choice of vendors. I would hate to send out I don't know, a list of bands or a list of DJs to a couple who only have four months. And then because they only have four months, every single one of the bands that they love is already booked. Um, and so I think that that's also something to consider when thinking about the the duration of your engagement. Um, we also have peaks of wedding seasons. So down here in Virginia, definitely May, June, September, October are the peaks of wedding season. But I'll be honest, just post COVID, like all bets are off. People are getting married every day of the week, all times of year. It's, it's been a little wild in a great way. It's been um, super busy and wonderful, but certainly if you are planning for May, June, September, October, I would advise against being like, oh my gosh, I'm getting married in four months on October 12th and it's going to be a great day. And I want all the premium vendors that, um, that's going to be challenging. Yeah. It's not impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely I would recommend being flexible mm-hmm. if that's the case. <laughs> so do you see more of like, um, I don't even know if this question makes sense, but like the vendors or the venue kind of dictating the length of engagement or is it like the couple say, I want to be, you know, I want this date. Um, and then, whatever venue or whatever is available. Does that make sense? I would say it is more the couples dictating either the date or the time of year. It is, um, some couples are so dead set on a specific date, sometimes because they like the sound of it. Um, you have another cousin, Stephen, who was married on 12, 13, 14. Yeah, I, I, was, um, I was thinking of them, but I couldn't remember yeah, the date. <laughs> and that was, it was 12, 13, 14. Um, and I remember it because it was 12, 13, 14. Um, so sometimes it's the date for a fun reason like mm-hmm. that, because like neither will ever forget it. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it's for a sentimental reason. Um, we just had a couple who got married. They were between 422 22 and 429 22 and 429 was the bride's grandmother's 93rd birthday and i think they chose that date for a number of reasons but among them was the fact that it was just sentimentally special to mm-hmm. them um but i would say by and large it is the cup t- the couples who are dictating um, the time frame for sure but sometimes it is sometimes it's like oh well let's lengthen our engagement because we'd really like to get married at this venue. Yeah. For sure. Like sometimes it's that, but, but the majority of the time it's the couple. Ashley, tell everybody how we picked our date. (laughs) 
I honestly don't even remember. It was, it's just... because it wasn't. It was just she opened up. <laughs> she opened up. Uh, I think when as soon as we got engaged, you downloaded the Zola app and like it just randomly was like. I was like, say your date, like what your date is. I'm like, I guess I'll just pick something, and that's just what I picked, and we stuck with it. Ah, it just tell me the actual date, Stephen. I think you told me, and I forgot, which is so bad of me. Oh no, you're good. <laughs> September twenty third. So it'll be special. It has, yeah. Yeah, I think it sounds good. It has a nice ring to it. Our birthdays are in the first half of the year, so we'll have a, a wedding. Too. We'll have something to celebrate in the fall. Since we're I busy love in, that. in the spring. Perfect. <laughs> I love a fall wedding. I don't have a fall wedding, but in in my ideal world, I do. <laughs> yeah. All right. So back to the uh, guest list. I mean, and this might be something that COVID has changed, and this is something that actually I've talked about too. Um, we've invited kind of more people than we initially wanted. I mean, we want everybody that we know and love to come, but obviously weddings are expensive. So she wanted to keep it less than a hundred. We're at like one forty ish. Um, and you know, we, of course we want all those people to come, but I mean, how many do we expect to not come? And then one thing that Ashley has mentioned is like, you know, maybe after COVID everybody wants to get out. So maybe like the old rule, won't apply of expecting so there are so many different schools of thought on this and there always have been and so i have seen everywhere i've seen people say everywhere from 10 percent to 30 percent of your guests or your uh invitee list will respond with regrets my personal experience is i err on the side of 15 to 20 percent of your guests will respond with regrets um However, I will say that our experience with our company is that more guests are coming now than not coming, which is not what I would have predicted a year and a half, two years ago at all, Mm -hmm. but I'm here for it. The only, um, the only downside to that is that also now with, you know, at home testing and everything like that, it's also leading to increased last minute drop-offs um and and thankfully people are you know we are seeing a lot of personal responsibility you know i i was sniffling yesterday and i i came down with a cough towards the end of the evening and my throat's a little sore so i'm going to test myself in the morning and i'll definitely let you know and so people have really really been responsible about that which is wonderful um so the good thing is that people do they want to get out they want to celebrate we are ready to live our lives and i love that the downside is that they can't always do that responsibly um so you know give and take there but yes i our experience really is is 15 to 20 percent of guests you can expect to respond with regrets all right anybody who rsvps yes and drops out we're sending you a bill (laughs) (laughs) i know it's it's unfortunate it is Mm -hmm. but i'll tell you nobody nobody that responds yes and has to eventually drop off is happy about having to do that. Like that's gotta be the worst thing ever. And especially anybody who, um, who tests positive and really doesn't feel that, that bad. Like that's, Oh, just imagine. And, and I mean, the worst of it is that they want to be there to celebrate with you. Like forget having fun and all that, just wanting to celebrate the two of you and not being able to do that has got to be just gut wrenching. All right, a two-part question. So first, what is like the biggest wedding that you've been a part of? Second, as I would say, what is the smallest, which I guess it can't get any smaller than maybe three people with the the couple and the officiant. And then how do big and small weddings uh, differ and how are they similar? So that was more than a two-part question. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I have like a multi-part answer to that. At okay. the end, I realized. Sorry. <laughs> so the biggest wedding that I have been a part of, I think was around 350 guests. It, it was a Filipino wedding. That is, that's Filipino culture. You invite everybody, um, big families, extended families, friends, um, everybody comes, everybody celebrates. It's joyful. It's wonderful. It's, um, their culture is so beautiful and celebratory Mm -hmm. um the smallest wedding our company has done 
was it was just one of our team members was there. It was not myself. It was our team member, Carrie, who's wonderful and fantastic. It was the bride, the groom, their two sons and their officiant. Um, they had been married previously. They had two sons. They got divorced. They were apart for a number of years and decided I have like goosebumps talking about it and decided to remarry years later. And it was just the four of them. I think their dog was there too. And their officiant and our team member. And it was so beautiful. Their photo album is like breathtaking. Um, it's so beautiful, their story. Um, the smallest wedding that I have personally done mm -hmm. was during COVID when we were restricted to 10 guests. And so we were supposed to have done a much larger wedding at a private residence over um, in the North End. So with, uh, no, we were restricted to 25, forgive me. It was 25 guests. And so with 25 guests, including myself and their photographer, mm -hmm. um, the couple were legally married in a beautiful ceremony at their home. Um, it was gorgeous. It was stunning. Um, it was catered. And of course the caterer came, they did a drop off. They set everything up. The florist came, dropped everything off, left. It was gorgeous. It was quaint. It was intimate. It was beautiful. Um, it was, it was the first, um, I think event. one of the only events that we had done really during that peak of COVID it was, uh, it was May. So it was during really the peak mm -hmm. of, uh, lockdown, I guess we'll call it, um, but we needed it. It was like vendors were just so happy to be there and happy to be doing something and happy to be giving anybody some kind of joy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was, yeah, it was wonderful. Um, I'm sorry. And you had other parts of your question. Yeah, that was my so fault. That I, was the biggest slash the smallest. And then kind of how do big and small weddings differ? And then how are they similar? Oh gosh. They differ in so many ways, y'all. Um, certainly planning-wise, um, crowd control. How are we going to get guests from one space to another is so vastly different between like, do we have 10 guests? Then I just walk over and I say, hi, everybody. We're so happy to welcome you into the reception space. You can follow me right this way. Versus I have to put aside, you know, for 350 guests, this is 15, 20 minutes that we have to set aside to go around. We are not a company that is making announcements as though we are in a circus tent. Mm -hmm. um, we are going around to individual groups and letting them know, you know, during cocktail hour that we're so happy to welcome them into the reception space. If there's, um, you know, an escort poster, letting them know which table they're seated at, or if there are escort cards that they can take, we'll describe that to them. Um, but yeah, we have to set aside much more time. So certainly the timeline is different. Um, and the timeline for dinner, of course, would be drastically extended um, between a, you know, a 10, 15, 20 person wedding and a 350 person wedding. Um, if there's transportation involved, it's a lot different for 10 people versus 350. Um, our team, our staffing, uh, we are a team currently of nine gals, which is um, incredible. There might be three of us there mm -hmm. for you know, 15, 25 people, probably seven or eight of us would be there for 350 people. Wow. Um, set up for 350 people. I mean, you're looking at 35 tables for that amount of people versus maybe one or mm -hmm. two for 10 people. Um, so I think, you know, logistically, there's so much that's different, but also um, I'm trying to phrase this in a way that, that sounds um, appropriate. Um, just a 10 person wedding is so much more intimate. Yeah. Um, it's so much more personal, I guess. Um, versus a 350 person wedding is amazing and celebratory just on a much grander scale and a much bigger level. So I think the energy between the two is different. Yeah. Um, the energy of your guests, the energy of your vendors, and not in a bad way, just in a different way. Apples and oranges, 10 people, 350 people. Um, yeah. And then 
they are the same in the sense that we care equally. We want your wedding to be equally as perfect and unique and spectacular if you have 10 guests or if you have 350 guests. We want it to flow perfectly from beginning to end for 10 guests or for 350 guests. It does not matter. And I think that is something that sets our team apart from others is that I, we don't care if your budget is half a million dollars or if it's $10,000, we just want you to be happy. And we have planned $10,000 weddings and half a million dollar wedding. I mean, we've seen, we've seen it all, but we want it to be absolutely perfect regardless of any of that. Um, And also I think, uh, I think just, just people are the same. Couples are the same. They all just want to be happy. They all just want to enjoy their day. They all just want a stress free wedding. I mean, truly, they just want to enjoy their day with one another and with their guests. Yeah, what half a million? Oh my gosh, I can't even imagine that. It was gorgeous. I'm sure. Yeah, if it wasn't, I would have been. I would have been upset with them. No, um, oh my gosh, it was like, what was breathtaking? Yeah, you mentioned in their timeline, kind of keeping everything on track. I'm going to toss to Ashley here, who, by the way, shout out to Ashley. This is not normally what she does. She's not normally on the podcast and she's being a trooper. So (laughs) we haven't really set our timeline yet, but what kind of run our rough timeline by her and see if that is, is a good timeline. I mean, I haven't even thought about time like specifically, but I think um, the big thing was like the reception timeline. Like I've noticed some people go like right into a first dance. Some people wait to do that after dinner, just a bunch of like, what's the typical or what, what flows best for a timeline that makes sense. Again, there are, this is all based on personal preference. And this is something that I tell all of our clients, because again, especially being that we plan weddings everywhere. I feel like geographically, there are a lot of different, um, a lot of different ways of doing things. Um, So uh, first of all, you always start with your ceremony time. So once you have your ceremony time, you work forwards from there to your end time. Right. So you figure out how long does your ceremony take? Right. So your ceremony typically is about 30 minutes, essentially. And then you decide, do you want a full hour for cocktail hour? Assuming you want a full hour for cocktail hour. Wonderful. Then we set aside that full hour. And then from there, we sort of um, chunk out the essential time frames that you want for each you know, category throughout the evening. Um, Consider your announcements. Would you like to have a welcome and or a blessing? Um, When will you be doing your first dance? Personally, I think it's wonderful when the two of you are announced into the reception and you go straight into that first dance when you've already got everybody's attention. You're right out there on the dance floor. Like, let's just do it. Let's just do it right then. Um, I also think... um, Sometimes if you want to do what is called front loading a reception, you can sort of, uh, you know, do your formalities earlier in the evening if you want to get those out of the way and have more dancing time later. So that's certainly up to you. Um, Or you can choose to spread out each of your formalities, like if you're doing a bouquet toss, um, toast and cake cutting, things like that, you can choose to sort of spread those out throughout the evening. Totally up to you. Um, And again, those are all things that I would say, write down a list of all of the traditions that you want to, um, I guess, celebrate during your reception and then figure out you know, how we want to chunk them out throughout the the reception. And that's something that, again, a wedding planner will help you with. Those are some of what we call our trade secrets that will help you sort of formulate your timeline, knowing like, do we want to front load your reception or do we want to sort of spread them out? Or do we want to maybe like front load it a little bit and then maybe grab your attention one or two more times? Um, So absolutely, yeah. Um, I think there are definitely a couple different ways of doing that. Because we're getting, 
I don't think our thing, we don't start at six, right? Our invitation says, um, it says six o'clock, but that's not when it would start, right? That's like when people get there or what? Well, you, okay. So what, tell me what your invitation says and I'll tell you when it starts. That means it starts at six o'clock. That means it starts at six Oh Oh. Okay. So everybody's got to be there by wedding couple. That means that Mm -hmm. your music starts and somebody is walking down that aisle at six Oh Oh on the dock. Okay. So, Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, so six to six 30 is a ceremony and then cocktail hours puts us at seven 30 yeah. And then, so we're having yeah. like, is it weird? Is that a weird timeline? Like, are we going to be eating a, a plate of dinner at eight o'clock? Is that bad? No. Okay. Not at all. Especially not for an evening wedding, because if your wedding starts at six, I'm not a small person, guys. I'm going to have a little snacky before I come to your six o'clock wedding reception. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. All right. Good. Not yeah. weird at all. But again, it's great that you're bringing that up. Because if you want your listeners to, to learn from this, then maybe if you're concerned about that, then you have an earlier ceremony. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So things to consider, but I don't think so at all. Yeah. Another thing with our venue, which we love, by the way, um, the Gala 417, and they're kind of... Yes. Oh, my gosh. Y'all, their food, the food that they give to their vendors is spectacular. Yeah. And that is saying something. They're wonderful. Shout out to Amberly and her mother-in-law because they're amazing. <laughs> and we loved our tasting. It yeah. was great. It was We're hard excited. to pick. Um, so, yeah, so, um, I forget where I was going. Where was I going? <laughs> That's because we're all thinking about their delicious food now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, so the gala, like, rightfully, like, it's a beautiful place. Um, they've got weddings, what seems like, every night, and uh, we're lucky to have a date. Um, so our rehearsal is the day before. We're getting married on a Friday. Our rehearsal is at i think 10 o'clock thursday morning i thought yeah. like is that weird to because we were talking about like a rehearsal dinner is that weird should we do like rehearsal brunch or so you could i love that I, anything unique and different about your wedding i think is just fun but i will say is that ideal no it's not ideal yeah. but it's not at all uncommon. It's very, very common because on your one and only wedding day, do you want somebody at five o'clock to say, sorry, guys, we're in here rehearsing. No, of Mm -hmm. course you don't. So they've just got to work with, they've just got to work with it. So what you could do is, you know, instead is you could come to rehearsal, just show up wearing whatever at 10 AM. And then you have all the time in the world to do a casual brunch if you want to, and then you can leave, you can shower, you can play a round of golf, you can do whatever you want, get dressed and do a more formal or a more fun rehearsal dinner in the evening. But if you did want to do a rehearsal brunch, you could absolutely do that too. I think that's so much fun. It depends. Are you morning people? Do you want to be dressed and ready at 10 a.m.? <laughs> I think we were, we were leaning, to, I think, towards doing a rehearsal dinner. Um, and then my logic was just like anybody who's taken off work to do the rehearsal can go back for the second half of the day and then join for dinner and not have to use all yeah, their vacation. Yeah, there you go. That's perfect. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, do you have any questions, Ashley, while I think of where I was going? Yeah, I was going to like ask, like, what is your favorite part about being a wedding planner? What's like your your highlights? Like, what makes it be like, this is what I love to do? Guys. <laughs> I'm like literally in the middle of your question, getting teary eyed. Um, This is such a labor of love for our entire Emily Weddings team. Like we are a team of, of gals who fiercely love one another, love our couples, love what we do. Um, We have the best couples. We have the best couples. Um, Seeing them on their wedding day, hearing them say, that, uh, you know, we had a bride recently who said, this is the wedding I dreamed of since I was a little girl. And it was otherworldly. Um, giving people their dreams, seeing people in love, um, seeing parents, seeing parents see the joy on their children's faces is incomparable. And and I am, um, I am of a certain age. <laughs> so I'm kind of like, I find myself kind of, you know, in between the age of our couples and the age of their parents. And so I can really associate 
with both at this point. And, mm-hmm. and so seeing our couples so happy and then seeing their parents just love on their babies and, and see them um, journey into this next phase of life is just surreal. It's, it's amazing. So what makes this so incredible is the people that we do it for. It's the vendors that we do it with. It's our team. It's love. It's um, it sounds so cliche. It sounds like, like this is some fabricated response (laughs) that I've made up. Um, But this is it. Like this is it. You know, we wake up every day and we get to do what we absolutely love for a living. It's so fulfilling. It's so rewarding. And we do it with the best couples. Um, you know, if any of our former Emily weddings couples are listening, like y'all are it, y'all are why we do what we do. Um, we had a, a wedding a couple weeks ago and one of our former brides was there and she stopped me in the hallway afterwards. And she said, Kate, I have to tell you, like, I just get so emotional when I see you because I'm just, I was so blown away by you and your team and my wedding day was so wonderful. I was watching you while the speeches, the toasts were happening and, and you were so moved by everything that the people were saying. And it really touched me. It really touched me that you were so, so interested in what they were saying and you were so involved in what they were saying. And I thought, yeah, I I am. I was. And, and it just, um, got me thinking that yeah that's that's why we do it because we we care it's not just a job it's it's we just we love it it's a labor of love so um all that to say yeah they are couples that's why it's it's amazing it's such an honor (laughs) great answer um going back to kind of the beginning you were talking about uh when you work with a couple you kind of determine their style uh and kind of and that kind of helps inform the uh the vendors where we have not had a a planner and we've kind of been piecemealing it. Should we be worried? No, I don't think so at all. Well, okay. And here's my thing. Do y'all have like photos? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like inspiration photos that you're like, I really love this. Mm -hmm. I really love that. Like that's, that's what we do. Like, Hey, do you guys have a Pinterest board that we could see? And I think, so many couples have more of a vision than they think they do. You know, we have so many, um, usually it's the brides. We don't always have a bride. Sometimes we have two grooms. Sometimes we have two brides. Most often we have a bride and a groom. Mm-hmm. Um, and most often it's the bride who we're working with, uh, you know, foremost. Um, so typically we'll say to the bride, you know, do you have a Pinterest board? And she'll say, yeah, but it's like, it's kind of all over the place. And okay, okay, send it anyways. But it's interesting that we will, as professionals, be able to pick up on on themes. Well, you really love eucalyptus, you know, those silvery greens rather than those deeper greens. And I noticed that you love the X-back wooden chairs instead of a traditional shivari chair. Um, And you love a deeper linen rather than an ivory linen or, you know, whatever. You love... um, bistro lighting, like the string bulbs instead of a chandelier, whatever it is, there are themes that you can pick up on. Even if you think that none of your images, your inspiration images have anything to do with one another, somehow they do. There are certain things that we kind of, you know, keep seeing over and over and over again. Um, But also personality, body language, the way you dress, what you're wearing, the way your makeup is done. your reaction to us showing you a certain photograph, um, things like that. That is what we sort of use to pick up on your style, to develop your vision. Um, and yeah, that's what, what informs our vendor selections. That's really what informs kind of everything (laughs) really throughout the process. It really seems like you have like a, superpower to kind of pick up on all these things. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I think it's experience. It's experience. It's, um, it's just working with people. It's doing this enough to know, um, to know your clients. Yeah. And it's developing that relationship. It's, it's that closeness that you get, you know, being on all of these vendor meetings and all of these zoom calls and, 
meeting with parents and hearing people's love story. You, you do, you get to know these people. Mm -hmm. I have a, um, I won't say how many parts to this question because last time I got, uh, <laughs> I did it wrong. Um, I'm sorry for calling you out on that. No, you're fine. <laughs> um, okay. So for cost savings, because a wedding is, is very expensive. And, uh, I mean, one of the things that we're doing is we're reusing flowers, uh, from like, as you should guys, <laughs> anything you can reuse. Yes. Yes. And bridal bouquets, use them as centerpiece, like do mm -hmm. it. Yes. So yeah, that's, yeah, I think that's mm -hmm. kind of what we're doing. Um, the other way I was going with this was, um, like ex you mentioned experience and that's kind of how you guys are able to have the superpower, um, for cost savings. Like, is there a risk in kind of looking for somebody who doesn't have as much experience, say for video. Cause I had reached out to somebody that I knew who had never shot weddings before. And he was like, eh, like, I don't know. And I was like, well, I can pay you this much, but he's like, yeah, I'm not really that confident. I mean, is it worth spending, you know, those extra pennies, dollars, lots of dollars to get somebody with experience <laughs> or is it kind of too risky to take a chance on somebody? Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. And I would give you an unequivocal yes for a photographer or videographer. If it were a florist who's not there in real time, who can create a centerpiece, I mean, even a, a bouquet, maybe I'd be a little meh about, but if if they create a bridal bouquet that's front and center on the day, it's in all of your photos and you end up not loving it still, they have time to zhuzh it a mm -hmm. little bit if needed, but there are shots, angles, moments that if they are not captured, they don't happen again ever in your life. Yeah. Um, it is, I would say that is by far and away your photography and your videography is the legacy of your wedding day. Um, I never assume that couples would like to have children one day, but if one day you decide to, those are the photos you will show your grandbabies. Look at our wedding day. Um, it is so worth investing in a professional wedding photographer slash videographer a hundred percent to, to me, that is the thing to invest in for sure. Okay, good. Because we did end up getting yeah. professional, but like it, that was a very easy answer for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, you had a question that we had talked about before and I don't know if you're going to, do you remember? Oh yeah. Um, I just want to know what your advice is for couples either in the planning process or on their day to make the day go by as smooth as possible. You're going to think that, my answer is ridiculous that it's get a wedding planner. <laughs> um, also, also know and love your photographer and videographer because you're going to be with them from start to finish on the wedding day. Um, also, you want to be comfortable in front of their lens because if you're not, it will show up in your photos. Um, be communicative be as communicative as possible, not only with your vendors, but also with your wedding party and your family. Hey, family, you specifically, Uncle Tom, Uncle Jerry, Aunt Nancy, I need you to stay after the ceremony for family photos. Please communicate, communicate, communicate with your vendors, your family, wedding party, with everybody. I would say that is the number one. Cool. Um, kind of in the same vein as that, um, what are some of the coolest things or most unique things that you have seen that maybe, you know, we haven't thought of, we were talking about doing like Polaroids for the, the guest book. I mean, what are some of those like interesting touches that you've seen and loved that maybe we haven't thought of that we could apply to our own wedding? This weekend, we had possibly the coolest thing hands down I've ever seen at a wedding. And that's saying a lot because I've seen some pretty cool things. Um, the escort cards. So an escort card is the item that tells you which table you're sitting at. 
Um, sometimes it also tells the catering staff which meal you've selected if there is a, a meal choice. These escort cards were caricatures of each and every guest. They were amazing. I cannot imagine the time that the bride and groom took to collect a photograph of every single one of their hundred and some odd guests mm. and send them. And, and the caricature artist, it must have been the same person because they were all in the same hand, the same style. They were epic. They were so clever. They were so unique. It was amazing. Um, what else have we seen? Um, we did a wedding recently that had disco balls mixed with chandeliers. It was a New Year's Eve wedding, and it was so cool. And it sounds like an incredibly bizarre juxtaposition, but it was so perfect for New Year's Eve for their theme. Um, oh, my gosh. What else have we seen? Um, I love anything that is like says something about the couple. So I guess this isn't super unique because many couples are doing it, but I always think it's so much fun to have like something personalized for your animals. So like a signature drink for your little pup or something like that. We also had one couple who did um, like a little cutout (laughs) of their dog that they like took pictures with and everything. It was so cute. Um, we had, um, a little peekaboo. Who was it? I think it was Iron Man. The bride surprised the groom, um, on the wedding cake. There was like one of the pieces of fondant was pulled back and there was like a little Iron Man head that was sticking (laughs) out of it because it was this gorgeous, you know, this bride had, I won't say she made all the decisions for the wedding, but she made all the decisions (laughs) for the wedding. And so she like did this little Iron Man thing for him. Um, we did a zoo wedding, a wedding at the Norfolk Zoo, the Virginia Zoo, I think it is. Um, and this couple did a send off on these animatronic, I think it was a zebra and a tiger, maybe. I forget what the specific animals were. It was so cool. It was so them. It was so zoo. It must have um, been one of those half million dollar ones. It, it was probably up there. <laughs> it was not my lead, so I did not do their budget. But yes, I would imagine it was not inexpensive. Yeah. Um, you can ask your cousin about that one. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, we've seen some cool stuff. And definitely we've, um, you know what? We did a, this sounds, you have to, to follow me here track me um forgetting sarah marshall that gorgeous like luxury hawaiian resort that they stay in and it's all like white and like green monstera leaves and like tans and stuff so we did this gorgeous epic wedding for this couple and then they had a super fun celebration that was hawaiian themed as well still gorgeous and upscale but it had all of the fun tropical bright flowers to be like kind of the opposite of that like chic elegant vibe. They had um, uplighting on the ceiling of the tent that was all super fun colors and it had like tropical leaves projected on the ceiling. Like we have seen some really, really cool stuff. We had one bride who loved French fries. Like everybody knew that she was obsessed with French fries. And she was like, I'm going to have a French fry bar for a late night stack. And I want a picture of me laying on it like this. And sure (laughs) enough, she had a French fry bar and the photographer got a picture of her laying on it like this. Um, anything that you can do to make that wedding just scream you guys is always encouraged. That's great advice. I don't want to keep you too much longer, but I have a few more questions. First one, what is, you mentioned the zoo. What are like some of the more unique places that you've um, had weddings? <laughs> zoo has got to be up there, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the zoo, private residences for sure are always unique um, and challenging in a good way um, because you have to consider things um, like restrooms, for example, because if you have a hundred something guests, you can't all use one restroom, electrical 
generators, things like that. Um, oh my gosh. Where else have we done this unique? Obviously we've done weddings in Maine. We've um, done weddings in Florida. We did a wedding in Key West. Um, we were supposed to have done a wedding in Belize. Unfortunately, it was during COVID and international travel was so tight and restricted that it did not end up being there. Um, museums. We have done weddings at the Mariners Museum. Um, I was not prepared for this question, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I feel like I, of course, I'm drawing a blank. Like all of the normal local places we're at all the time. No, that's, that's um, right. We did a really amazing wedding down in Kitty Hawk at a private residence a few years ago. That was pretty epic. Um, Knott's Island has a gorgeous um, farm venue out there that's pretty unique and cool, like super old, rustic um, barn that we did a wedding at. Um, that was incredible, different, unique. Um, if I think of any others, All I will right. get that. Sounds good. Um, okay, so two more, I promise. First one is I know that you have your own personal interesting story that I read about your wedding day. I'm sure you have told the story many Ooh. times, so you, I bet you know that one. <laughs> I do. So my wedding was wild, y'all. Um, my husband and I had, uh, I mentioned my husband is in the military. We had been planning a wedding for essentially a year after we got married. And then we got orders. Um for the military much earlier than we anticipated. And as the story goes, we ended up getting married earlier so that I could come with him and yada, yada. So uh, there was a, a terrible car accident at the time that we <laughs> were supposed to be exchanging our vows in front of our venue. And so my husband in his Navy whites and my father, who was a first responder, he was a, a firefighter, volunteer firefighter for years, we're outside pulling people out of these vehicles on our wedding day. Um, so our wedding started late. We were in, th now we're from, I'm from middle of nowhere, Connecticut. He's from middle of nowhere-er, Massachusetts. And so <laughs> stuff like that, like nobody's in the Navy there. Like, it's not like being here, like, oh, you're Navy. Okay. Nobody's in the Navy. So it was this big story. Navy hero pulls people from a car on his wedding day. Three newspapers ran our story. We were literally on the news. They came to my work to interview wow. <laughs> the local <laughs> news station. It was crazy. That was 11 years ago in August. Um, and he still loves to be the local hero. He's guy. <laughs> That's awesome. That was your first fire. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And you know, what's funny is um, our wedding was so small. People always say, you know, oh my gosh, you're a wedding planner. Your wedding must've been so amazing. And I'm like, I knew, I, I didn't know anything. I had 12 people at my wedding. Um, Emily, our owner, Brittany, the, the whole team taught me everything I know. I mean, I had, as I said, a huge background in so many areas um, that have to do with weddings. But no, these girls taught me everything. So thank God for them. That's awesome. And my last question is, um, outside of having a wedding planner, what advice do you have for couples? Because I know, I don't know if you're a fan of The Office, but one thing that, I that, sure am. that Jim and Pam do is they take those mental photos. So, I mean, is there anything like that that, you know, any advice like that that you have for couples? Absolutely. Live it. Yes. Okay. So bride, when you are at the end of that aisle and groom too, really, although typically you're entering sometimes with your groomsmen or maybe with the officiants pause at the end of that aisle. And I tell all of our couples this drink that moment in. All of those people are gathered there to love you, to support you. It's just such a beautiful moment. So take a pause, not a 15 minute pause, but maybe <laughs> a 10 second pause and just live in that moment. Absolutely. Um, I also love a sweetheart table. Some people don't, 
I do, because I know that you think it's my wedding day. I'll be with my husband, you know, the whole day. You won't. And if you are, it'll be with, you know, a million other people around you. It's so important, A, for you to eat um, on your wedding day because you'll be so busy. I am not a person who forgets <laughs> to eat, but you will be a person who forgets to eat on your wedding day if you are not conscious about, yes, I will sit down, I will eat a meal. That's something that our team always is is sure to have somebody stationed close by to the newlyweds to make sure that everybody doesn't come up and take a picture while you're trying to eat. Um, but also so that the two of you can enjoy your first meal together as husband and wife uninterrupted. It's such a special moment, even if you're there for 25 minutes, 20 minutes. I don't care how long it is. Just the two of you, just that special moment. Um, and dance. Definitely take time to dance because it's 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 so much fun it's so short it's so fleeting enjoy it and don't feel like you have to go around and say hi to everyone individually i love that that is a thought in your mind but they can also come to you on the dance floor and they can dance with you yeah. <laughs> shout out to that idea yeah <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kate Freeman, thank you so much for uh, being on the podcast today. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for joining for season two of Dumbest in the Room. I just want to remind you that we're on all listening platforms. I also want to remind you that we're on social media at Dumbest ITR, on Twitter and Instagram, and on Facebook at Dumbest in the Room. I appreciate a follow and a like. Thanks so much.